I'm excited today about today's message. Uh, some have said this is your trial sermon today because they're going to vote after church. And I said, well, this is trial sermon number 101. I have been with you for two years now. And so this is trial sermon number 101 or whatever. Uh, we came in September uh, a year ago to be your interim pastor, uh, right in the middle of September, I think. And uh, two or three Sundays prior to that, I had the opportunity to preach. And uh, so uh, looking forward to today's message as we talk about the five purposes of the church. Um, this may be um, my introduction to you of who I am and how I see not who I am so much so as uh, how I lead um, from the scripture, from the word of God, as I see God's task and God's calling upon the church and upon my life as well. And I'm thinking we're not going to get it all in one Sunday. Uh, you know, there's a third of the church that's not here on every Sunday. Did you, did you know that? I always wanted to serve on the committee that decided which third was not going to come uh, that Sunday, but there's always a third missing there for some reason. Uh, speaking of missing, we miss Tracy, our pianist, and Tracy, know that we're praying for you and that uh, you will recover fully and be back with us shortly. Uh, so if you will, turn in your Bible to the book of Acts chapter 2. The book of Acts chapter 2. When I first started preaching, which was about 51 years ago, can you believe that? I started preaching about 51 years ago. Um, the pastor I had at that time was very evangelistic and uh, was always encouraging us to win people to the Lord. And from Acts chapter 2, he would preach quite often. When I went to seminary, I discovered that there is a picture here of the New Testament church in its infancy days. And uh, we've always wanted to go back to that earliest time as a model of how church should be, what church should look like. And in part, we're going to do that with this passage of Scripture. But the book of Acts continues this picture in a more detailed way, and what we see in this passage of Scripture is not the only way the church operated and operates today as well. So if you will, and I have made an error. Uh, I turned in verse 43 to 47, and I really need to start in verse 41. Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read beginning in verse <clears throat> 41. My apologies for, I uh, hope that doesn't mess up everybody's reading along this morning. But let me read 41 and 42, and then you can uh, join with me in verse 43 and following. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles, and now all the believers were together and had everything in common. And so they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. And they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. 
And every day, the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Will you join me in prayer? Our Father and our God, we thank you for this opportunity to once again speak from the word of the Lord. And now I pray desperately, Lord, that we will hear a fresh word from the Lord. We will hear in a way we've never heard before. We will hear what thus saith the Lord, and may we be motivated to do what thus saith the Lord. Thank you for bringing us together in this juncture at our church and the life of Ekron Baptist and our own personal lives. And we pray, Lord, your kingdom come truly. Truly, your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. When you think about the church and the purpose of the church and what the church should be doing, who we are and where we're going and what God intends for us, you have to think about the five purposes of the church. And I'm going to name those five as being worship, ministry, discipleship, fellowship, and evangelism and missions. Let me begin with the first, worship. You see in this passage of Scripture, the people of God were filled with the Spirit of God as they worshipped the true and living God, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 2 comes when the Holy Spirit was delivered to those who believed in Jerusalem and were gathered around that evangelistic sermon preaching of Peter. And we are grateful today that that evangelistic style sermon that he preached is still a model for how to preach evangelistically. We are blessed today to understand that it is the people of God are assembled and generated through an act of God's regeneration through the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit filled those who believed, they were born again. They were regenerated. Uh, some of you have understood the term for regenerate membership uh, in a Baptist church. We want, to, we want everybody to be a member of Ekron Baptist Church who has been born again. But you must first be born again and have a regenerated heart by the Holy Spirit in order to be a member of the true church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it be called uh, Ekron Baptist Church or some other church, uh, it's not the title of the church that makes you a member, but it is the title of the Lord of your life, Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. We are assembled to worship Him. And you see in this passage of Scripture that they gathered on their Lord's Day, which would be the Sabbath, the Saturday, but they also hung around the temple complex to continue what they learned from the Word of God and their leaders who were the apostles. And so they continued in worship together in a large group setting. Then after that, they broke into smaller groups, and they had fellowship, and they ministered to each other, and they did evangelism and all these other activities through the smaller groups that did not meet as a larger group because they were just growing and growing. They started out with 3,000 and thousands more came to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and the church began to grow. And they had to understand that uh, in order to teach the Word of God and grow in understanding about Jesus, they had to teach in small groups. To me, that was the, the genius of the Sunday school today. 
looking back on the New Testament church as the genius of the Sunday school to break up the new, this large group of believers that are in here today and in smaller groups, smaller groups, uh, understand the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. We do not make disciples in large groups. We make disciples in small groups. And that's why I'm so keen on the Sunday school. That's what's so uh, strategic about the Sunday school. And churches are beginning to discover for the first time that uh, mega churches do not grow disciples. It's the churches that have smaller discipling groups that grow Christians, that grow believers, that grow in understanding the Word of God, grow in understanding the will of God, grow in understanding the great doctrines, the truths of Scripture itself. It says here in this passage of Scripture that they learned the apostles' teaching. Well, folks, the apostles' teaching is our New Testament. Do you get that? The apostles' teaching is our New Testament. So their Bible that they were studying were these 12 apostles who had been with the Lord Jesus Christ, had been taught by the Lord Jesus Christ, and they were getting the teachings of Jesus firsthand from these 12 apostles uh, that had walked with the Lord. And so it is in Sunday school in our church today, and I am so proud, and I think we need to ring a bell, I think we need to celebrate big time, that we had 117 in Sunday school this morning. Ring a bell, somebody, ring a bell. Ring it loud. Celebrate and ring it loud. Now we're on track, you see. Now we're on track, biblically. Uh, and as long as we continue uh, the strategy of the New Testament church, we will continually find blessings from the Lord. People will be saved. People will be uh, uh, grow in their sanctification. People will grow in their relationship with the Lord and be nurtured. And all the five purposes of the church begin in the Sunday school, not just the worship center here. Now, I've had it said before, and I kind of say it with tongue-in-cheek, if you have to miss either the Sunday school or the worship service, I'd rather you miss this than be in a Sunday school class. Because you don't get all five purposes on this occasion. You get all five purposes of the church in a Sunday school class. You see that? Some of you look at me like, that's the fourth dumbest thing he says. September a year ago. And it was September a year ago. Think about that. You get all five purposes of the church functioning and being blessed in what God intends for the church to be in small group Bible study time. If you're praying together, you're worshiping. If you're studying the Bible, you are depending upon the Holy Spirit of God that inspired the Word of God that speaks to the people of God. You are in conversation with the Lord and you are worshiping Him when you have small group Bible study. I say that because a lot of you here are the 117 plus. You're the, you're the plus group. I don't know who you are, but you're missing out. That's why I say this. You're missing out. And there's more that God has for you as you meet together to do these things. According to the book of Ephesians, Paul said, be filled with the Spirit. And they were filled with the Spirit here in Acts chapter 2. 
He said, be filled with the Spirit, Paul says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. And enjoy donuts and coffee. That's my edit. That's not in the Bible, darling. I added that. You didn't think so, yeah. Good. Folks, worship is singing and praying and giving testimony and proclaiming the Word of God. That happens in Sunday school. I say to worship leaders, and Melissa and I agree with this, that it is so important to understand the context that you are leading to worship. In the New Testament book of Acts chapter 2, the songs that they would have been singing would have been the psalms of our Old Testament. They knew those psalms. They were songs that the people sang, and they knew them, and they taught new ones. And the reason they taught new ones was they had a new, fresh experience with the Lord. Folks, that's how we get new songs today. We would not have had amazing grace had we said, let's do what they did in the New Testament day and sing the old songs only. We would have never sung amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Every song we sing in church was once a new song. And the songs we sing come from our experience with the Lord. And if you want to read about that biblically, look at Psalm 149 and Psalm 150. Because Psalm 149 and 150 talks about, let's, let's sing loud and boisterous all the things that God has done and is doing in our life. Let's tell of the great works of God. And that's why in the book of Psalms it says, sing a new song to the Lord. Some of you can't sing a new song to the Lord. Because God's not doing something new and fresh in your life. But when you've had a testimony, when you've had an experience with the Lord, when you've gone out at, with the gospel to every home, and you have shared that gospel track with somebody, and your knees are shaking, and your voice is quivering just a little bit, and the dogs are barking in the background, and the kids are crying, and the TVs are going, and you just boldly say, can I just share with you uh, what's on this piece of paper? And they say, well, yeah, I guess so. I ain't got nothing else to do. And you're here in my front door and I can't get rid of you unless I say, yeah, you know. And, uh, and then you begin to share the gospel outline with them. And all of a sudden, the woof, woof, dogs begin to get quiet and the crying babies get quiet and the TV turns down and it gets real quiet because you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And everywhere you share the gospel, God shows up. I hear a lot of people talking about I went to so-and-so church and God showed up. God shows up every time you share the gospel. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together in my name to worship me, I'm there. He shows up. He shows up. And God really does show up in a powerful, mysterious way when we share the gospel with people. And it's amazing. We still need three teams to take three more packets out and I think that's a tremendous response. We started out with how many uh, at first? 20? About 20, 20 packets to take out. 
20 boxes to take out. And uh, we're short three now. I think that's a good turnout from a church our size. Now let me, let me talk on the negative here a minute. This is going to cost me some votes in a minute. <laughs> I mean, might as well say it. Everybody knows it. I have come to learn that I am not responsible for your spiritual enthusiasm. The pastor, the music leader, worship leaders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, your family, your husband, your wife, your neighbor, they are not responsible for your spiritual enthusiasm. And I won't accept that blame. You are responsible. And if you come to this worship center and you didn't get anything out of it, it's because you didn't put anything into it. If you leave disappointed, it's on you. It's on you. That says more about you than it does the good people of God who are giving what they can on the Lord's day to serve the Lord. That was at least ten votes, I'm sure. Number two, I've come to learn that God does not need me, but He wants me. They don't need me down there at that church. God don't even need you down there at that church. He wants you. He wants you. He desires you. The question is, do you desire Him? See, when we desire God, when we desire to know Him and the love of God that is beyond knowing, the power of His resurrection as well as the fellowship of His suffering, the Apostle Paul said, then when two or three people are gathered in His name, God shows up. And I'm changed. I'm not the same. I'm transformed. And when the Word of God is taught and proclaimed, I am energized. I am motivated. I get excited. And I want to do what the Bible says in Psalm chapter 150. He names all those instrumental pieces in the church orchestra. And we don't have orchestra, we have a churchestra. Not a church orchestra, we have a churchestra. We're a little short, a few instruments here. But we have a churchestra. He said, let everything that hath life and breath praise the Lord. So if I don't get enthusiastic and excited, it's not the preacher's problem. 
we see here in this passage of Scripture that awe and signs and wonders continued in the fellowship of that early church. What were they doing? They were ministering. That's the second purpose of the church. They were ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. They didn't go run and minister to people and take care of everybody's needs and say, now come on to church, come on to church. Oh, we got hot dogs next Sunday. Come on to church. We got pizza next Sunday. Come on to church. We're going to have donuts. Yeah, come on. Finally, yeah, I guess I'll come. No, they were filled with the Holy Spirit first, and they said, you won't believe what God is doing here. Come and see, come and see. And the people came, and they ministered to each other so that no one was left out. Everyone was ministered to. It's easy to read that passage of Scripture and think that that's how every church is to just, you know, have 3,000 the first Sunday and 4,000 the next Sunday. And that church of Jerusalem just kept getting bigger and bigger and was a, was a, um, a mega church. That was never God's intention. And that's why we have the book of Acts. That's why we have in the book of Acts in the front of the book of Acts the start of the church where thousands came to the Lord at one time. And it was during a time of, of Pentecost when people traveled from all over the world. And these foreigners, these out-of-towners, came to Jerusalem. And then the Lord said, I don't want you to stay here and build a megachurch. That's not my intention. That was not God's preferred future. What happened right after the fall of the Holy Spirit? Uh, they began to be persecuted. Stephen was persecuted and was martyred. And then they began to have problems in the church because the people that were coming together uh, were bragging about how much they had sold that week. And the husband lied, and then the wife lied, and they both died, and they buried them in the cemetery. It was God's intention for the church to be scattered, for the church to multiply. See, they were adding in Jerusalem. I'll talk about this more later. But they were adding in Jerusalem... And when they got to Antioch, they began to send them out to plant new churches. And now they were multiplying. Do we reach more people with the gospel by adding to the church or multiplying churches? That's why we have the book of Acts. That's why we have the book of Acts. Y'all got to think about that now. It's true that the 80-20 rule seems to be true in every church. 20% of people are doing 80% of the work. But I want to tell you, and I want you to help me with this, what few years I've got left, I will not commit myself to burn out any hard-working servant of this church. And some of you I see working very hard. And I've whispered to some of you, I'm concerned that you're doing too much. If you're over-functioning and doing too much, you're taking up space for somebody else that needs to be working and serving. And you're denying them an opportunity to serve. Sometimes you need to say, not at this time, in order for someone else to step up. When I was ill, as the pastor of my church in Louisville, people began to step up and did things they never thought they could do. 
and the church got excited and uh, we watched a lot of growth take place. So help me with that going forward to enlist more people to serve and not to burn out the ones who are serving. Mary had a little lamb. It could have been a sheep, but it joined the Baptist church and died for lack of sleep. I don't want that to happen here. Thirdly, we see in this passage how discipleship took place. I've already alluded to that, talking about intentional discipleship. They met in small groups. They listened to the apostles' teaching. They must have broke off into other groups because all 12 apostles didn't teach 3,000 at one time. You had women and you had children there on top of the 3,000 men that were counted. Sorry, ladies, y'all were not counted in those days. But you take three, and if you take this four to a family, that's what, how many thousand? 12,000 people. And uh, if you're a Baptist, you count all the sheep and the goats out there and add them to the Sunday school so you can get the numbers up. But seriously, folks, discipleship took place in small groups. Now, we often wonder, so-and-so grew up in church, and when they left high school, we didn't see them anymore. That's been the trend for a long, long time. Do you know why? I'm going to tell you why. We're missing out on discipleship. Students who grow up that are discipled, discipled by their parents. You see, the Sunday school teacher in the church is not the discipler for your youth or your children. You are mom and dad. That's your job. That's your role. And we can talk about programs all day long to get people to come to the church, activities and so forth to get a crowd. How many do we have? Oh, we had this and oh, we had that. If there's no small group where this is happening, discipling and equipping people to reach out, to engage in small group fellowship, small group discipleship, and small group accountability. That's discipleship. And when that takes place, that group, that person, those individuals, even if they moved, will stay involved in ministry somewhere. The ones that are not, do not. There goes 15 more votes. I'm gonna, I'll never be the pastor if I keep preaching. When students went off to college, they were asked, why do you not attend? 34% said, I moved to college and just quit going to church. 32% said the church was too judgmental and hypocritical. 30% said they did not feel connected to the church in that community where the college is. And, and I get that. I understand that. How important it is for the local churches around the Baptist campus ministry to be ministering so those students will get in the local church. They don't go to the Baptist campus ministry on Sunday. They go to the local church. My kids grew up in Baptist campus ministry, and both of them, in their senior year, raised their hand and said, I will volunteer to go on this mission uh, tour for one year as an intern at some other college campus, wherever you send me. And the first one they sent to Hawaii and he met his wife there. And the second one, they sent to Georgia Tech in Atlanta, 
and he met his wife there. Folks, God's kingdom is not about keeping our kids right here all the time the rest of their life. And some of you understand more than the rest of us the price that you pay to see your kids go serve the Lord around the world. And God bless you for that. We want them to be preachers and missionaries and so forth, but we don't want them to leave Meade County. Can't have it both ways, folks. There's a price to be paid in discipleship. But when you're in it for the kingdom, when it's about the kingdom of God, you can take great pride and have great joy and great comfort of the Holy Spirit knowing that your kids are still serving the Lord. Number four, they had fellowship with each other. They went everywhere. They went from house to house. They had plenty to eat. Can you imagine feeding 12,000 people, for how many weeks can you do that? I mean, how long can you keep doing that? And they just kept doing it and kept doing it. Well, uh, baked lamb is not, always what is not always what fellowship is about. They were together in their heart and their mind, and they were unified in their purpose. And their purpose was to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Activities do, does not grow a church. Activities and busyness does not a church grow. Uh, you may grow in numbers for a while, but then it goes back. You may grow in numbers again in a while, but it, but it goes back. Fellowship is the building of the relationships of the people that you are discipling. That's why discipleship in my sermon comes before f fellowship. Fellowship is not intended to be a sustainer growing event in the church. It is to be a time of relationship building of the people you're trying to disciple. It's awfully quiet in here. Must be ten more votes going down. Boy Scouts does not grow a church. Oh, if we just had the scout program. Look how many people we'd have in our church. No, it doesn't. I've been through that, and I've lived through the most horrible outcome. It does not build the church. Activities, even recreation, and I love re recreation, and I love meals, the meals that we have, but those don't grow a church. It builds and strengthens the relationship of the people that you're discipling. If you're not discipling, it will not build the church. Last and finally, evangelism and missions. Number five. God desires our salvation and the salvation of our loved ones more than we do. Wonder why. One of the reasons is I've come to believe, I've often wondered, is there really a hell? Do lost people really die and go to hell? Well, the right answer is yes, but what's the answer in your heart? You're not really sure, are you? You've been told that everybody's going to go to heaven. You've been told that God's so good, nobody can go to hell. Well, one night, God woke me up 
and said, understand the love of God that motivated Jesus to stay on that cross. If everybody was already going to go to hell, why would Jesus endure what he did when he died on that cross? What would have kept Jesus hanging there on that cross when he could have called 10,000 angels and said, well, you know, everybody's going to heaven anyway. What am I doing dying up here on this cross? But God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were yet sinners and hell-bound, the wages of sin is death, and that does not mean death where you don't exist anymore. It means death in a place called death and hell that Jesus preached and taught about. And the book of Revelation warns us about. But God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Evangelism and missions exist where worship does not. Evangelism and missions exist where worship does not. And so to huddle together here and say today we've been in Sunday school, we've done all five purposes of the church. No, we haven't. We must now go. And worship takes us into serving in the community. Worship continues in fellowship and ministry and discipleship. And worship continues in missions and evangelism. That's where I'm coming from. Should there be enough votes left to call me? <laughs> Will you bow your heads, please? Father, I thank you for giving to us from the Word of God a picture of your church as it was led by the Holy Spirit. May our churches today be Spirit-led churches, fulfilling the five purposes that we see here in this New Testament model. And Father, if there's something in my life that's keeping me from experiencing those five purposes, may I make that adjustment now. May I make that change now so that I can be faithful to your church, your bride, your body, the one that you created when Jesus came. If there be one person here today that needs to Give their life to Jesus, not just join a church, but give their life to Christ and be born again. I pray they will come during this time of in, uh, invitation. And may Jesus be honored by every decision that's made. In Christ's name I pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask Him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.